Welcome to class number five, and I forgive me for being a couple minutes late, but it's the last session, and it always happens. I get notes always the last couple of days before today, and I'll get them for the next week or two generally, and people say, wow, I really liked coming to this. You know, it's, it's education, it's motivation, inspiration, whatever kind of words you want. And so people always say, I love coming to this because it just, it, it juices me up. And they realize I'm bummed because in two weeks I don't get to come again. And I don't know what to call it other than separation anxiety. But there's a couple ways around it. One, the next class starts mid-September, right? So you'll get a note from me ballpark mid-August with the dates. If you want to come back, just send me a note and show back up. It will sound a lot different in mid-September. Not because of me. Well, let's back up. If you do the work between now and then, it will sound a lot different in mid-September. And it's not because I'm changing anything, it's because you're changing. And now if you've spent the time to kind of study this and struggle, and you are going to struggle in the next month or two, by the way, just be very, very clear. But as you go through that, you're going to find that when you hear me say it again in September, you're going to swear the class changed 100%. And all it is is because now when you've heard stuff, now it starts to fall into place. So if you think of it from a, an analogy of a jigsaw puzzle, the first five sessions you go through, all I've done is I've identified all the pieces and what the shape of the jigsaw puzzle pieces look like. And so you've seen all of that. Now you're going to hear it again and now it'll start to make sense. And now you're going to look at the colored side of the, of the art. The challenge is you don't have a picture on the box to see what the end result looks like. You've got to figure that out on your own. And you figure that out by just doing the work again and again and again and again. So let's see, today is what, the 27th of July. Your year of paper trading starts tomorrow, ballpark 1st of August, which means I better not hear from a goddamn one of you that you did, paper, you did real money trading anytime between now and the 1st of August. If you do, just understand, let me be perfectly clear, you're going to lose your money. I'm not, you're laughing, I ain't laughing. You're going to lose it, just give it to me. You're going to lose your money if you jump in too soon with real money. I can guarantee it. You might get a couple of trades right, and then your head will get big, and you're going to get slaughtered. There's a reason I say stay on paper for a year. It's not because I'm trying to have you not make money. I'm trying to have you not lose money. What happens is your head will get in the way. Your ego is much bigger than your checkbook is. And you're going to learn the hard way if you don't do it my way. I can point to lots of people that have lost thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars because they didn't do it the way I told them to. There's all kind of, did any veterans start off early with real money trading? None of you? Look at one of them is back there smiling, looking down. He's going to put his hand up. The ones that are being honest, if you ask someone if they started early and ask them if they had to do it over again, would they have started as early? The answer always is no. They wish they would have waited. I strongly urge you to wait. The reason I say that now is if history repeats, eh, around, around September through November, We'll probably have a nice, long, easy move that will show up in the market. And you'll be on paper. And you'll get a bunch of wins in a row or a very high batting average. And you'll feel really good. And then come around January, you'll think, this is really cool. He said, you know, the average person kind of struggles. But man, I'm kicking butt. I'm clearly above average. So I should start real money in about January, February, because it's my New Year's resolution in 2015 to make some money. So I, and all these things, voices in your head will tell you to break the rules. And about that time, that's when the market will get choppy. And then you're going to get clobbered. It happens to every single person that does that. Please don't do it. It doesn't help me 
or hurt me if you lose money. It doesn't help me or hurt me if you make money. I'm saving it. I'm telling you this from the voice of experience to save your bacon. Hey, do I need to hammer on anymore? You get the message. Stay for a year on paper. You'll find also the separation anxiety comment that I made before. That's really a compliment to all of you. It's got nothing to do with me. The feedback on this that I get consistently, it's, it's a very positive, I don't know how to describe it. It's a very positive place. You think about it. I try and scare you to not lose your bacon, but it's a very positive environment. And that's all as a result of you. In order for you to keep that, you've got to keep doing the work every single day. Be consistent with doing the work. The rules are laid out for you. You just have to be consistent both in doing it and in applying it the proper way. If you do that, I promise you, you'll love the results. What you'll also find if you do that, you'll develop a sense of discipline that is different than maybe many of your friends. And your outlook and approach will be different as you start to do this. A different way of saying that or something to watch out for as you, grew th as you go through this, hear me loud and clear, and people don't like hearing this, so let me be real blunt. Your friends are going to change if you do this. Some of them will become people in the room. Some of them may not, but your friends will change as you go through this. They're going to change in one of two ways. They're either going to change the way they think, because they'll see that you're thinking differently, or they're going to change their name. Think about that for a minute, what I mean. If it isn't clear, your friends will change. They won't look the same as you go through this. It happens to everybody I've ever met that gets successful at this. Your friends will change. You've got to be prepared for that. And it's not a better than statement. It's not a judgmental statement. You're just going to find that you think differently and you'll tend to associate with people differently. So something to watch out for. Nobody complains about it and nobody likes hearing it the first time I say it, but people who have been through it, they just kind of nod and they go, yeah, he's right. It happens. Totally happens. So something to be aware of as you go through that. What else? Talked about the next class, September 14th. We'll get a note. I have ballpark mid-August on that. I said that before. And I think that's it. I'll think of other stuff as I go through it. All right, quick review. You got to know why you're doing this. We talked about this in the very first session. You've got to understand why. And then you've got to know, you got to know your reason, your goal, if you will. And then the why is going to be your motivation to get there. Now, is it hard to do the why? Yeah, it just takes a little discipline. I did this on the recording. I told the, in the first class, I mentioned that there was a guy that had I used the weight loss as an example. And there's a guy, he's now taking the fast track. A couple years ago, he walked into, the, into his dock and he had kids that were like three and four. And the dock looked at him and he said, look, if you don't change what you put on the fork, by the time your kids get out of high school, you're going to be taking diabetes medicine if you live that long. It's totally up to you. And within about a year and a half, he dropped like 60 pounds. Right? That was his why. It was, it was a very strong, clear reason to change the dietary habits. I always tell people I was at two, I'm about 200. Right? I'd love to get down to 185, but I never had a strong enough why. Well, just so you know, not a boasting thing, just understand the why. I figured if I put it in a recording, and now I've got it recorded. I stepped on the scale last week, I was 185. Right? It's not a clap the hands. It's just I had to do it because I said I was going to do it. Right? And it's just a real simple thing, right? I, I ate a cookie this morning. I'm still eating as much shit as I did before. It's just I tempered it back a little bit. So a little bit less stuff. The point on all that is I had a strong enough why. Not hard to do. There was no medical reason. It was just more of a personal challenge just to get there. Make it your personal challenge to do this. Whatever goal you put up there, make it strong enough and the why strong enough that you will do it. This is going to get incredibly frustrating. 
You got to be prepared for that. If your why isn't strong, you will quit. Let me be perfectly clear. You're going to quit if the why isn't strong enough. It's got to be something that pushes you through frustration, lack of sleep, tears, annoyance, changing in your daily schedule. It's got to be strong or you won't do it. Homework, hour, hour and a half a day. It's all you got to do. Weekends, you may put in a little more time. If you're spending four hours a day at this now, awesome, stop because you're going to burn yourself out. Spend an hour, hour and a half a day. If you spend three hours a day, you're not going to get it twice as fast. Hour, hour and a half a day, that's it. Map out what you want to get done. Well, usually what will happen is people start getting into this. They'll see things on charts or something will catch their eye and they'll spend their hour and a half going down some rabbit hole of research. Keep a small notebook. Go buy a, you know, you got back to school sales coming up. Go to Staples. You can buy a little spiraling notebook for a buck. Put it on your table. On the front, write R&D, research and development. Whenever you get a wild hair idea like, hmm, I wonder if, jot it down in your notebook and don't go research it when you're doing your homework. You're going to find over the course of a couple of months, you're going to have five to 10 pages of stuff to go research. Now, it's weird. What will happen is when you get a down weekend, you want to spend some time on this. You say, well, what do I want to research? And you'll read through your R&D book. You will find that you will have answered a lot of the questions before without even doing the research. Just by the mere fact that you wrote it down, it triggers something in your brain to listen for it. And it saves you going down the rabbit hole of research. So now you will have answered some of the questions. Now with those other remaining five pages of stuff, figure out which one is the most important for you. And then spend that time researching it. That will easily allow you to keep it the hour to hour and a half a day without going down on a wild goose chase. Okay? Strongly urge you to do that. News trades. Continue doing them. Even if you've stopped, you do not know the news yet. Continue doing it. It's discipline. It's kind of like brushing your teeth. Well, I brushed them on Monday. I don't need to brush them today. It's like it doesn't work that way. You got to do it every day. New people, how are we doing? Are we still doing the news practice? How are we doing? What's our batting average? 80% wrong. Perfect. You're right on target. Anybody doing better than 80% wrong? Right about in there? That's what you want to see. You're going to be about 80% wrong. Stay with it. But you notice, Joseph, on the 20% that you're right, are you learning something on those? Right? But, it's, but you still, still work on the 80% wrong because you, you got to figure out what stuff is garbage. And the only way, you got to kiss a lot of frogs. It's the best, best way to think about it. So keep doing those. Daily journaling, both about the market as well as personal journaling. You don't have to do a personal journal every day. Just write down the, the high points as, you, as they come to mind. But you got to write the market journal every day. And you look at it now, you think, this is just a waste of time. You know, I write two or three sentences at best. That's right. Keep doing it. It's not the single day that you're learning from. It's from doing it over the aggregate of months and years. You will start to learn stuff in the market. You don't realize you're learning it. But you've got to take the time to do the journaling. It takes you a few minutes. It's not hard. It's a little arduous, but it's not hard. Keep doing it. Expert stocks. I don't push this one too much for people early on. I would suggest you do that more once you've got a long-term holding portfolio built or you're close to doing that. If you're just starting out, I'm totally fine if you push that one off for, a little, for the back burner for a little bit. At some point, however, start doing the expert stock exercise. What I would urge you to do is the one, two, or three stocks that you pick for that, have it be your long, one of your long-term holdings or a couple of your long-term holdings. And the reason for that is at some point, you're going to end up with a bazillion dollars of ABC long-term holding stock. You're going to sleep much better at night if you understand how that stock reacts to news events during the day is really the way you want to think about it. Two good trades, eight bad trades per week. Continue with that. 
looking for two good, and there's going to be some weeks you won't find two good ones. That's fine. Still trade the bad ones. Sorry, practice trade the bad ones. Identify the bad ones. And even if I would suggest you identify why you think it won't work. So if you know what a good trade is, it fits on, you know, it, it's got the perfect straight line setup. All the indicators are there coming off the bands, et cetera, et cetera. What you've seen is the, the perfect setup. Find one that is not that. Practice it and write down when you get in, this is what is wrong with this trade. This is why it won't work. If you do that, you'll be stunned how quickly you'll learn this stuff. But all it takes is a little bit of effort. On every trade you do, you've got your pre-flight checklist. Take the time to go through that. There's a reason it's there. Not here now, I don't see him. There's a guy that takes the class that's a uh, helicopter pilot for the L.A. Sheriff. And I think he also has a private pilot, just the, like single engine, whatever they call it. But I've asked him many times when he's sitting in class, like, so you've been in a helicopter a few times. And he laughs. You know, he's got a lot of gray hair. It's like, yeah, a few thousand times. I said, do you have the checklist memorized? Because I know, especially on a helicopter, because if something goes wrong up in the air, they don't glide, right? They tend to drop. So it's not something you want to be in when there's a problem. I said, do you memorize the checklist? He said, no, we're not allowed. I got to go through it each and every time, read each line item. I said, yeah, yeah, I know. But just between me and you, I'm sure you have it memorized. He said, nope. Why not? I said, I know you have to have it memorized. He said, I do know what the next question is coming up, but I don't have it memorized. I have to read it each and every time. And the reason why is if he misses something and he's up in the air, that, that's a problem. So people understand the discipline when your life's at risk, but God damn it, they will not take the same approach when your money's at risk, which always amazes me. Go through that pre-flight checklist. Don't memorize it. Answer each and every question. There's a reason that it's there. Then, whenever you do a trade, fully document each and every trade that you do. Say, yeah, but this is, I just want to see what will happen on this one. That's discipline. If you break the rules on that, you're telling your brain it's okay to be, you know, I can run red lights every now and then, right? Any of you been to Lima, Peru? It is the coolest thing. It is absolute mayhem there. Traffic lights, are, they exist, but nobody pays any attention. Absolutely nutty. I'm surprised I'm still alive. What's that? Exactly. It's just, I think it's for Christmas decoration. The point is, you want to keep the discipline of doing the same thing again and again and again and again. That relates to fully documenting each trade. That relates to completing the pre-flight checklist. That relates to all of your trades look alike. Everything is always the same. As a human, we hate that. It's absolutely horrible, boring. Somebody came up just even before class starting. He said, well, you know, one of my buddies uses some software package different than what you use. What do you think? He said, he doesn't tell you that he calls me and asks me questions. Oh, no, he never mentioned that. It's like, because it doesn't work. If I thought it worked, I'd use it. Like, yeah, but that one is sexier than what you use. But yeah, what does he do for a living? Oh, he works for IBM. Well, maybe he doesn't know something I know, because I don't. Right? That's really blunt and arrogant, but the point is, do it my way. Prove my way doesn't work. Once you prove it, and you show me, I'll, 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 I'll wave the flag with you. This stuff works, but you got to do it my way. If you tweak it, I don't know what the results are. It's as simple as that. Sounds incredibly arrogant, but remember, I'm unemployed. Shit works. Just do it. Try it. And then complain if you can't get it to work. Anyone have ever challenged, I was going to go, man, this works. This works great. I don't need to change it. You don't have to relearn anything. On your charts, what do we look at? Indicators, 
Indicators, indicators, indicators, indicators. Do you see the word price anywhere on this page? Nowhere. Indicators, indicators, indicators. What are the indicators? Start at the bottom. We got the directionals, right? The ADX DMI. Moving up, then we got MACD. You got Stoke. And above that, you've got the two and the three moving average. The red and the green lines are the indicators. Watch the indicators, watch the indicators, watch the indicators. You will get to the point, if you'll study this enough, I can turn off price on the chart and look at the indicators and tell you what price is doing. I can't tell you what the dollar is, but I can tell you it's going up, down, or sideways just by looking at the indicators. It all shows up, but you got to study this enough. If you look at price, you'll get head faked and you'll get emotional. The indicators keep you unemotional. Also, the market has a different personality at different times of the year. We're now late July, coming into August. Stereotypically, historically, when you trade, right about now is when you should learn to golf. You will get very good at surfing if that's your hobby. Mow the lawn, clean the garage. Don't worry about the stock market. It's, it goes dead here, generally in the month of August. If ever you wanted to take some time off, now is the time to do it. Now that I said that, watch what's going to happen over the next three weeks. Right? But historically, you go back and look at it, the market goes dead, generally about first, second week of August, through about Labor Day. And then we start to wake up again. That said, historically, then if you look at, go back and look at the charts of the last 20 years, from September through ballpark November to January, we tend to have nice, long, drawn out moves. Year over year, over year, over year, over year. Generally bullish. There's always exceptions to the rule. But you'll see long, drawn-out moves, bigger moves in the fall, in the autumn. And then as you get into January, January turns into a psycho zombie. Because it's like the market is changing personality from these long, drawn-out moves in the fall, going back to just a slow, kind of put-you-to-sleep vibrations in the summer. And that transitional period going from the long moves to the, the little up-and-down moves in the summer, the market acts like a psycho zombie from January through about May. You get nice long moves and then choppy stuff, and then choppy stuff, then nice long moves. You never know which way to go. It's tough to trade them, so just be prepared for that. And that happens year over year over year over year. If you don't, in fact, don't believe me, please, take, the, take an S&P chart, take a NASDAQ chart, take the Dow chart, back it up about 20, 25 years, and look at it, and tell me if you don't see that same pattern. And if you do that, your comfort level will go way up you go, oh, he's right. It's right there. It's not 100%, but it is strong enough. You make a living at it. You're going to be wrong sometimes. That's fine. But you got to go back and study this stuff to see it. When we do a trade, what are we trying to make? Tons of money, right? Wealth and freedom and pennies raining down from heaven. Just the quickest path to hell. <laughs> what you're trying to do, you're trying to demonetize this. Make a brick. You get a winning trade. That's a brick. Get a losing trade. That's a brick too. What is a brick? Proper entry followed by an intelligent exit done according to plan. It's a brick. And all you're trying to do is pile up the bricks. You got your trading account. You're going to pile up the bricks there. Eventually, you're going to move some of those bricks into your income account. And then you do, and by the way, how many trades do we do a month in the trading account? How many? Five to 10? A handful. Some months you won't even get five. Right? Do not ever exceed 10. There will be months where it will be rocking by the time you get to mid-month and you'll have done 10 trades. And you go, well, what do I do from the 15th of the month to the 30th of the month? Can I trade more? Nope. 
Well, but, 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 but there's all these great trades that I'm going to miss. Yep, and you will learn to love it. What that says is, it might have been those 10 trades you did early in the month might have been kind of ugly. You're dating ugly people, and you will learn to be discerning. I can't remember the last time I did 10 trades in a month. It's been a very, very, very long time that I've done 10. The people in the fast track class come up now and they say, this is really weird. I'm trading so much less. I would have thought I'd be trading more. How you like the results? Oh, it rocks. This is cool, but I'm incredibly discerning. Very few trades. You're waiting for absolute beauty and perfection. And if you don't see it, you ain't trading. It's not worth taking the risk. And more importantly, it's not worth risking your emotional capital. It's not your financial capital. It's the mental stuff to say, well, what if I, you know, what if I date this one? It's kind of, it's not, it's not Miss America quality from a trade perspective, but it's close. Well, if it works, what does that tell your brain? It says you can be sloppy. Can't do that. Because remember the objective in doing this, this is not about making $100 or $300 or $3,000. The objective on this is to be able to swing a ton of capital that would freak people out if they saw how big, in fact, they'd freak out if they saw how big your losses are, right? And you're very comfortable doing it. You do it very cool, calm, collected. You walk around, you wear shorts and a t-shirt. People have no idea. That's, that's what I have strived for and got there. It becomes very simple, but it's very, very, very disciplined about when you do a trade. And sometimes you get incredible wins and sometimes you get incredible losses and you got to learn to stomach it and just move on and do the next one again and again and again and not get caught up in price. It's all the indicators. Don't get caught up in the account balance. It's all about doing the thing properly over and over and over. Over the course of the last couple of months, I've shown you ballpark 15, 20, depending how you count, um, techniques. Practice all of them. We're going to cover a few today as well. Practice all of them and be prepared. You're going to stink at all of them. You're absolutely going to stink up the joint. You're going to go, my God, I'm horrible at this. I can't do anything right. That's perfect. You're normal. Then you're going to, as you go back and look at your results, you're going to find there's one or two that jump out at you that your eye is drawn to. Those are the ones you focus on. Forget about the rest. But you got to practice them all to see which, which of those, you're going to, like I said, you'll stink at all of them. There will be 85% of them that you truly stink at, and the other 10 or 15%, you're not so bad. Focus on the not so bad to get really good at them. That's all you want to do. Does that make sense? It's a little bit backwards way of thinking. And then once you figure out which one you're best at, only do that. Just do that. Say, well, what about when I go to, you know, I'm going to have this time off in August and I, you know, I'm going to go hang out with a bunch of my engineer type friends and wannabe mark, stock market guys and they're going to tell me about all these great, sexy, new things and whatever else. And it sounds really cool. What do I tell them? Ask them how they like their hamburger. Don't listen to them. Because if they knew what they were doing, they wouldn't be going to work on Monday. Right? You got to keep that in your mind. Find something that works and just replicate it. Do it again and again and again and again and again. All you're trying to do. Then once you've got experience, and experience to me means you've been doing this for a few years, your batting average is strong. You're not making the foolish mistakes anymore. You've pushed beyond making the mental, emotional mistakes. At that point, then I would consider using the aggressive techniques we talked about in the last class, where you look to parlay your gains. You see incredible ROIs, and that's where you start to see the big, boom, statement trades where if people saw the account balance on a trade, they'd freak out. And that's suddenly where you go, oh, freedom is within sight. This is cool. 
And then you have to learn to control your emotions because the money will start to change the way you look at things. And you got to be aware of that. Best thing that can happen to you is you start off slow, make a ton of money, and then lose it all. What do you mean? Because that will humble you. Had it happen. And then you realize, oh, I guess this discipline shit really is important, right? And then you start being more disciplined about it. And then what I would urge you to do when you get to the point that you can leave your job, at that point, don't. Then suddenly become incredibly nice to your boss. Because now what you're trying to do, just for me, I wish I'd have done it this way looking back. What you want to do then is see, can you actually live on your trading results? And so whatever you make off of a paycheck, drop it into account and never touch it. It's your safety net you never hope to use. And do that for a couple of years while you still have the, employee, the paycheck safety valve, if you will. Because now once you've done that, now you know making the switch to being unemployed, you effectively have done it. You'll lose the safety net once you walk away from the paycheck. But if you've disciplined yourself to not rely on it, it's not as much a shock to the system. If you just quit before you've practiced living without the safety net, it will get in your head. I can tell you it, it happened to me, right? I, I didn't plan that one out the best. So I would urge you to, whenever you hit that point of freedom, plan on working for another two, three years. But you're now living off of your trading results. Whatever you make off salary is cool. And become incredibly nice at work because what will probably happen at that point, you'll get promoted. Seriously, and now it'll screw up your income account planning because now you got more salary, you got to bump it. I mean, I've seen that happen to people as well. So just something to think about there, okay? The whole point in all of this, you got to be disciplined all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Any questions on this? Pretty straightforward. Cool. Next piece. I love this term, dead cat bounce. Not my term. I'm not a fan of cats, which is why I love the term. Deathly allergic to them. What it is, it's meant to describe a scenario where a stock gets slammed and then bounces up a bit after having been slammed. The idea is if you took a dead cat and stood on the run of about a 13, 15 story building here, if you went up and stood on the roof and took that dead cat and threw it down on the ground as hard as you possibly could, cat's dead. When it hits the ground, it will bounce, right? It's going to bounce a little bit. I don't know if it's going to bounce a foot or five feet, but it is going to have a little bit of air from the time. It's just a nice graphic analogy, isn't it? It's going to hit the ground and bounce. What's going to happen to that cat afterwards? It's going right back to the ground. Okay, what we're trying to do is catch that little tiny bounce up because we know it's going to bounce. I don't know how far it's going to bounce, but I know it's going to. So a dead cat bounce is usually preceded by bad news. It'll cause the stock to gap down 5% or more on a single day. Now be careful. There are some stocks that their normal course of action at points in history, they will gap 3 or 4 or 5% regularly. That ain't a dead cat bounce. I want something that is out of the norm or out of the realm of normalcy for that particular stock. Generally, and you know, there's no hard and fast. Oh, it was only a 4% drop. It's not a dead cat bounce. Don't, you're, you're being anal. You're being an engineer. Don't measure it. You'll be able to see it. What you're looking for with this, you're watching the price movement once the news happens. So what's going to happen is some news is going to come out and say, you know, XYZ company is going in the ditch because of whatever reason. Stocks and the, they'll be talking on it on CNBC at about six in the morning in LA. Say, oh my God, did you hear the news? Boy, the pre-market trading ABC stock is down huge. Can't imagine what's going on. This is awful. And the stock will open up down a certain amount. People will at Typically, what you'll see is it'll open up and it'll drive down even lower. And then at some point, 
somebody gets the idea to say, wow, this is a great bargain. Let's go buy it. Called buying the dips. Understand dips by the dips. Okay? Do not buy, as a matter of practice, don't do it. In this trade, we will. What we're doing is we're buying the dip. We're looking for a floor to be placed. And then we're going to look to buy and be in this for a very short period of time on the bounce of that dead cat. Remember, the cat's already dead. All we're trying to do is catch a little bit of that rise. All we're trying to do, practice this a ton. There is an art to this. And someone's looking at me like, I don't want to touch a dead cat. There's nothing wrong with that at all. You want to take that approach, but practice it. It's okay to practice with dead cats, right? Because they're already dead. Some kinds of fun analogy I can have with this, but I'll let it go. Is, could earnings be the catalyst for this? It certainly could. Okay, a lot of times what you'll see on these, these will end up looking almost like a slingshot off the Bollinger Bands, very similar to that. But it does not have to be outside the bands. If it is, you ought to be more excited about it. Okay, once it looks like the floor has been found, then what you look to do is enter. Okay, you're going to watch the price area for the candlesticks to show reversal patterns. Watch for a majority of the indicators to signal. It works best if the indicators signal before you get in. What does that mean? It means it's a trade. You can just jump in and go, wow, it looks like price down 10 bucks. Let me just buy. You're just, you're, you're throwing darts at the wall, right? Throwing spaghetti at the wall. Wait for something to signal. Now, what time frame might you look at on this? Yes. Okay. You can see it on short time frames. Some, some you'll see in the large one. There's, you practice this. You'll see it. Okay. What you want to do with these, we're not in this trade for a long period of time. You're looking to buy in the money call options. Buy at least two weeks of time, but not more than six weeks. And whoa, 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 wait a minute. You said with the rules of calls, we buy five months of time. Yes, I did. How long do I expect to be in this trade? Minutes. Not, not two minutes, but I'm, not in, I'm certainly not taking this trade overnight. This is a day trade. I'm in this for a very, very short period of time. Once you get filled on this, keep an eye on the trade. If you have to run to the bathroom, that's fine. Don't go to the gym. Don't go out to breakfast. This thing can move quickly. Close the trade, okay? You're gonna exit on the same day as you get in. When price hits your target, get out. Do not get greedy. Don't worry about trying to stick around for the last quarter nickel or dime. Just close it, get out. The bounce could be 50 cents, could be a buck, could be higher depending on the stock. There will be times when price will try and test the opening price area. So you'll see it gap down. It'll be at 100 bucks. It'll gap to 95 and then run back up. It'll hit 100 right about there and then it'll roll right back down. If it gets up and tests that yesterday's close, that might not be a bad idea to call your trade done. But practice it. You'll see this. Do not get greedy with this. You got to get out before that day's close. Remember, there was bad news that slammed the stock and you're trading it up. You were picking nickels up in front of the locomotive, right? And the locomotive will crunch you. So you got to be nimble and quick. Don't get greedy. It's a bullish strategy around bad news that caused that stock to slam down. Yes, ma'am. Buy in the money calls. So generally, you look for about a 70 or higher delta. Absolutely. About a 70-ish. Her question was, what delta do I worry about? 70 plus. 
Because again, you find what we're looking at on this, I'm looking for a move, depending on the stock of the price, 50 cents a buck, couple of bucks, something like that. I don't wanna have out of the money options because it's gotta move a ton in order for me to make anything. So you could even do it depending on your capital base. I'll tell a story here in a minute where you could just buy stock and not even buy in the money call. So you just put a boatload of stock on the trade, run it up for a buck or two and close it. It's a really fun way to then go to work, right? Because you'll make a ton of money before your Cheerios get soggy on these things. But again, there's bad news around this. The stock is going down. You're trading up in that bad news environment. You've got to be very, very, very careful and very, very, very nimble and very, very non-greedy. It's very tempting to get greedy around this. Do not worry about it. Also, don't worry about it. So let's say the stock closed yesterday at 100 bucks. Today it gapped down to, I don't know, 94, 95. Let's say it gapped to 95. It dropped down to about 94, and now it's starting to rise again. You think, oh, this is perfect. This is perfect. Ah, you know, it was at 94, and now it's at 94.50. God, it'd be really nice if I get it at 94, because, you know, I'd like to get in at the bottom. I don't want to buy, I don't pay too much. Now it's 94.75. You're like, oh, come on, just come back down a little bit, 94.50. Now it's 95 and a quarter. You go, wow, shit, if I get back to 94.75, I'll buy that. And that'll be 96. I'm like, oh, man, it'd be, God, it was at 94. Next thing you know, it's at 97.50. And while you're sitting there trying to scrape the quarter, you just missed a $3 move. It's going to happen to every single one of you. Be prepared. You got to be nimble and quick on this. Do not worry about getting the absolute best price. When you see the entry, you jump in. And remember what we talked about before, where do you want to do most of your trading on what time frames, right? The, the big ones, the daily and the 233. Less stressful, more calm, very peaceful trading experience, large dollar moves. When you jump down to the smaller time frames, the intraday charts, very stressful, high anxiety trading, much greater loss ratio, lots of traps you got to watch out for. This is down in that zone. So you got to be aware of that. Practice this a bunch. You'll see them. You'll see lots of them and you'll find over the course of with a couple with months and years of experience, you'll be able to tell the ones you'll do. There'll be lots of ones you say, I'm not going to touch it, but that one looks really interesting. Okay. Quick story on one of these. My wife works in project management. She's, um, she now works for, at the time she worked for Boeing, she now works for uh, the Air Force. But at the time she was working for Boeing and kid was probably about two, three, something like this was a few years ago. And there was bad news. I think it was when, I can't remember. But it's, anyway, some stock just got slammed down and I was up early in the morning. I thought, oh, I can catch this. And I bought like 4,000 shares of this stock at about 635, 640 in the morning. Nobody else was up. And a few minutes later, my kid comes walking through, you know, kind of morning breath or, you know, bedhead and the whole thing. Hey, daddy, how you doing? Good, good. You know, I'm just, I'm glued to the screen, ready to exit. And then she comes walking by a little bit later. Hey, good morning, good morning. And I'm just, I'm focused, right? Trying to figure out when I'm gonna press enter to get out. And I closed the trade by seven and I made four bucks a share or two bucks a share, sorry. So I made eight grand before 7 a.m. in the morning. This was the first of the month. And so, and you learn after a while, you just kind of keep your mouth shut because there's times that I've lost that much money in the first half hour too. So I've learned, I don't, I don't brag either way because it can go both ways. And so I walk in, I sit down and I have breakfast with them and said, so what do you got going on today? And she, well, I got this big meeting and blah, 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 blah. He said, big meaning like important or big like size? I said, well, pause a little bit. I said, I think a little bit of both. I said, who's not who, I don't care the names, but 
is it like big muckety bucks, you know, CEO level or VP, whatever, you know, big title you want to think of, or is it a bunch of engineer types? Just, uh, I mean, kind of mix. So, you know, if I look at a typical engineer at Boeing, what, what do they make? You know, someone kind of doing what you're doing or in that range. And she goes, well, yeah, hundred grand, give or take. I said, a hundred grand. Wow. I said, how much is that a month? Just understand if I'm ever talking to you and if I ever ask you a math question, I do math faster in my head than almost anybody I know. If I ask you a math question, I'm setting you up for something. I'm just about to cut you at the knees. She knows me well, so she know, all right, he's going to throw something at me. She goes, well, that's like, remember, she's an engineer mentality, so I would say like eight grand a month. The engineer says, well, that's $8,333.33 a month is what it works out to for 100 grand a year. So we think a little bit differently. I said, wow, interesting. I said, you know, I just did a trade. I made like eight grand, and it's 703. It's kind of neat. I said, I mean, if you look, and she kind of looked for a second, I said, but you know, it goes both ways. I said, but today's the first of the month. And I've been trying to get her for years to learn to trade. But, you know, you have to want to do this. She didn't have the desire. She's spending time, you know, raising a kid. So I understand that. I said, if I look at the, you know, the second line up, maybe your boss or your boss's boss, what do they make? He said, well, that's, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred grand a year, something like that, 150, 200, somewhere in that range, maybe a little bit higher. I said, so that's, what, 15 a month, 18 a month, something like that? And she's in her head calculating, well, yeah, about, right? An engineer wants to get me down to the penny, but it's somewhere in that range. I said, wow, that's interesting. I said, you realize that my trade size grows every year? I said, yeah. And I said, so this morning was eight grand, and I still got 22 days left in the month. I said, next year, a couple years down the road, that trade size will be bigger. It might be 20 grand by seven o'clock in the morning on the first of the month. It's kind of neat, but I got to go look for another trade. You have a great day, right? Walked back in the office, went on about that. That afternoon, kid's name is Jack. So he, he and I are playing around and door opens up. She comes in and starting to fix dinner. And she walks by and she said, you know, you, you got in my head all day. I don't really like you. I said, that's okay. I'm sure that'll happen again. What did I do? She said, all day long in the meeting, every person that walks in, I'm going, it's like that level. And he makes about 100. He makes about 120. That guy's probably making about 200 because he's got a t- big title. She goes, but they got to work all month. She goes, you made what they made before we had breakfast. I said, yeah. She said, well, and that's kind of neat, but it ruined the meeting because I didn't list. I was thinking about how long and hard these people have to work to do that. I said, you want to learn to trade? Well, no, it seems like a lot of work. <laughs> I said, okay. So just understand. And I said, it's not a boastful thing. I'm trying to get you how to think. Your numbers are going to change. The dollars that you will that you can make doing this. And you could have made the same amount of money on 200 shares as opposed to 100 shares or 1,000. It doesn't matter. It's the same exact trade. And then you're going to remember, what days do you generally look to see the market move a lot? We talked about this before. The last three or four of the month into the first three or four days of the month. It, everything just lined up right there. Just understand, the opportunities doing this are absolutely huge. But it takes time. It takes effort. You got to want to do this. The rewards are phenomenal. Remember before what I said too, your sense of numbers will change. You have to learn to keep your mouth shut on some of these things because people won't believe what you're doing. They'll also be freaked out. If you share some of the size of your losses, they're like, why the hell would you do that? That's a lot of money to lose. I know. It doesn't feel very good. The other thing that will happen if you decide to do this and you get good at it, and you, most people, when they get good, they stay in contact with me. 
I, real, I don't have very few people that I know of. There's some I know that are doing pretty well, but they don't share it with me, probably because they're afraid I'll call them in class. If I know you're doing well, as I sense or if you tell me that you're getting close to being able to retire, let me warn you, I'm going to screw with your head, and it's going to be fun for me. Best story I've got on this one, a few years ago, I've got a friend that was one of my customers way back when, when I was at IBM. And take him, before my kids started school, I'd take him down to the beach and, you know, let him dig sandcastles. I'd, you know, play with him or chat on the phone, whatever I was doing, just doing the dad thing. And sometimes if I were bored, I'd call one of, there's usually three people that I was making the circle on. So I call this one lady and say, hey, blah, 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 what are you doing? Oh, now I'm doing work stuff. And I like, I always hate, because then I had to listen to five minutes of work chatter that I don't really care about. And I'd listen for a couple of minutes and say, oh, excuse, did you hear that noise? What was that? I said, wait, there it is again. Do you hear that? Like, no, no, no. I said, wait, wait, listen, listen. Oh, there it is again. Do you, do you hear that? I said, no, what is it? I said, oh, wait, one more time. Listen, listen. I hold the phone out. I said, you know what that is? I said, that's waves on the beach. Just why I said, those are Tuesday waves. You only hear Saturday and Sunday waves. You got to come out and check out Tuesday waves. They sound so much different. And then I hang up the phone. <laughs> you got to screw with people. You have fun. But I've gotten notes from people now that say, wow, Tuesday jazz nights in Laguna are so much better than Friday jazz nights. Right? It's all in how you think. Get to the point of freedom. Put in the time. Get to the point of freedom. It is a wonderful, wonderful spot to be. Next piece, inverted dead cat bounce, which is what, page 2 to 11? This is effectively the opposite of a dead cat bounce. I don't know what else to call it. So this is when stock gaps up. So good news causes stock price to rise at five-ish or more percent. And again, same rules applies on this. If you have a stock that normally is very gappy, that is not uncommon for it to gap three, four, five percent, a five percent gap on that may not be worthy of trading. You're looking for something that is gapping out of, out of its norm. The news on this one, you want to be sure that it is not due to a takeover. Because a lot of times when it's due to a takeover, so company A says they're going to go buy smaller company B, company B stock price rises, you're not looking to trade those. Because generally when that happens, the price will stay there. So if that, let's say that the company being acquired or being pursued was trading at 40 bucks a share on Friday. On Monday, they make an announcement that say, hey, we want to buy this company. We're going to spend 50 bucks. Buffett says, I want to spend 50 bucks a share. The price will gap up to about 49.75, 49.80, something like that. It's going to stay there. You're not going to see it drop back down. You might even see it rise further. That scenario, you do not want to trade the strategy. Typically, the inverted dead cat bounce is earnings related. That's the most common place you'll see it. It doesn't have to be, but that's the most common spot to see it. It could also be to legal announcements. It could be to FDA announcements, any number of things. But the most common one is generally earnings. So with that, the, that inverted bounce, that inverted dead cat, it's preceded by good news. That's the heads up. Okay? It's going to cause it to gap up 5% or more. Be careful. You're going to find stocks that gap up smaller amounts. You see gaps every single day. I'm not worried about those. I want something that is outside of the norm. And again, it also depends on the stock. So for example, for a while, Google was gapping three, four, five percent regularly. That's not out of its norm. Okay, don't get caught up in that. Got a question? Could be. 
His question is, does it have to be stock-specific news or could be a broader, like a Fed announcement, a jobs report, housing start, something like that? It can be. Typically, you'll find they work better when it's stock-specific, right? Because if it's a broad thing, then the whole market will lift and it tends not to drop back down. But practice it and see, and you'll see that if it's, if it's stock-specific news, it tends to be more volatile as opposed to the whole, if it lifts the whole market, generally it's, it's a little more rare to see it pull back in that way. Yes. Uh-huh. That's going to be in about a page. Cover that in the next page. <laughs> no problem. Good lead-in, though. Proceeded by good news. So the next piece, what you're going to do, watch the price movement. You're looking to see when a top or ceiling looks like it's been formed. It commonly will look like a Bollinger Band slingshot, but it doesn't have to be outside the bands. But a lot of times it will be outside the bands, even on a smaller time frame. So you'll see the intradays will be outside the bands. Once it looks like prices hit a ceiling, then you're watching for candlestick reversal patterns. Then you watch for the indicators to signal that a down move is likely. As before, it works best if the indicators signal before you get in. It works best if, there's, if the indicators signal. What does that mean? Like everything else, proper entry, intelligent exit, according to plan. You got to trust the indicators. On this one, we're trading it down. So we're going to buy in the money puts. So you found back to your question before, you're looking for a 70 delta or even short the stock. Buy two weeks, not more than about six weeks of time. Once you're filled, don't go to the gym. Don't go out to breakfast. Don't go for the long six-mile run, right? Stay near the screen. You're not going to be in the trade for a long time. Don't go to the gym. There's someone in the back of the room that does these and then takes off to the gym. I won't look back at them. Once price hits your target, close the trade. Do not get greedy. Don't try and stick around and make the last dime. Close the trade. You might get 50 cents. You might get a buck. You might get a couple of bucks, depending on the size of it. Price can often go back to test the gap. So it's going to go back and test the prior day's close. If it's getting near there, it might not be an unwise thing to close the trade. Don't try and get greedy on these things. Remember, you got great news that came out that caused the stock to pop up, and you're catching the downward move there. Say, well, why does it move down? If there was such great news, wouldn't the stock just keep going and going and going and going and going and going? It can. But remember what happens is somebody bought the stock at 90 at some point back in the future or back in the, sorry, in the past, somebody bought it at, let's say 90. Stock ran up. Now it's sitting at 100, 105, 110. And then they look the next morning and it gapped up to 117. Like, oh my God, sell. Let me just take it. And a bunch of people, for whatever reason, do that. That causes the price to drop. People just trying to bank the profits. All you're trying to do then is as they're selling, you're catching that downward move as it comes back in. But there was still good news there. Don't get married to this stock. You're trading totally against the news. It's a very quick trade. Do not hold this overnight, even if you get in the last hour of the day. Close it before the end of the day. Stocks tend to continue on the upward progression when you do that. Close it, but it is a day trade. Question? Volume of the stock? Uh, yeah, no, yes, no, yes, no. Do I look at volume? I will only look at a stock. I want to see about a half million shares traded on any stock before I'll even think of doing it. So I don't look at volume. To, I mean, if it, 
if it's any of my watch list, it's got enough volume, right? So if it's some other name, it's like Gap and it trades 30,000 shares a day normally, I won't touch with anybody's. I would urge you to stay to far away. Say, well, yeah, but I could make a dollar or two. Yeah, but if you, may, if you want to make any kind of sizable money on that, you're going to be a huge portion of the day's volume. You, don't want, you want to be a rounding error where they don't even see you. So I wouldn't even touch it. Key point on this, it's a bearish strategy around good news that's, that drove stock price higher. Don't get greedy. Realize this also, if you were to do business with a full service broker and call that broker and say, hey, good news came out on ABC stock. It gapped up you know, a huge amount of percentage. I want to buy puts. The broker will talk you out of it. He's got a fiduciary responsibility. He's going to say, or she is going to say, why would you look to trade this stock down? We just had great, phenomenal, good news. That makes no sense at all. They will do their best to talk you out of doing the trade. They're not doing anything wrong. Just understand, it's a very quick, nimble trade. If you talk to others about it, they will talk you out of it. Okay? Both the dead cat bounce and the inverted dead cat bounce happen very, very, very quickly. You've got to be nimble. You've got to be very, very nimble. You're not going to make a fortune doing this. Do not, don't look at it and go, oh, Porsche.com, when this one works, I'm buying the new car because I'll be in this thing for weeks. It's very quick. You're very nimble. It's a brick. Proper entry, intelligent exit according to plan. Nothing is any different. Remember also, is this a big chart trade? No. You're trading on the smaller charts. Which again, what does that mean? Is that stressful or is that calm? It's stressful. High anxiety, you're gonna have a greater loss ratio or greater losing rate on the small charts than you do on the big ones. You gotta be aware of that. If it turns and goes against you, get out. Close it quick. There's always another one around, okay? Close it quick. Now what sometimes will happen We'll be in a market environment where these things will pop up all over the place in the first couple of weeks of the month. And you'll end up using your quota of trades in about eight days on these because you'll see one after another, after another, after another, after another. And now you get to about the 15th of the month. And as I said earlier, you think, oh my gosh, I've already used my, my 10 trades. What do I do? Next month, you don't trade these. Be more selective, more discerning. I've heard somebody use the analogy. They view it as they've got a bunch of roving marauders coming up to the house and they got a gun in the house and they can only shoot the ones that are close and they got 10 bullets for the month. You're not going to shoot at one that's far away. You wait till you get and wait till you see the whites of their eyes. Isn't that the right word? Moving, roving marauder. You get thugs and thieves and whatever else. All the, the, the zombies. <laughs> Don't shoot the zombies across the street. Shoot them when they're in front of your door. But this person literally, Sophia, has, I've seen their desk. They have 10 bullets lined up. Numbered one through 10, they knock them down when they do a trade. When they run out of bullets, they're done trading. Real bullet. Yeah, I got a shotgun shell. So one guy's got a big, some kind of big caliber. I don't know what it is. Another guy's got a shotgun shell. It's all how you want to think. It's all visual. Some questions. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. She's trying to say, which ones do I trade? What are the best? Some people do really well on the dead cat bounce. I happen, personally, I like the slingshots, but my eye jumps to those. Other people do well in the channeling stuff. You got to practice all of them to figure out which one you like the best and which it's and it's both on your results as well as which one does your eye see the quickest which ones jump out at you and you have like the channeling stocks you could put it right in front of my face and say this is a channeling stock i'll stare for five minutes and not see it put up a slingshot they i can see them from across the block yeah maybe it's still a fat pitch on the entry so the entry is still the same but you're just going to find that your eye is drawn to see certain things 
And how do you know? You'll know. Okay. Yes, sir. Mm, good question. His question was on volume. I said half a million shares on up. When am I measuring that? What I'm looking at is probably the last three months of volume. So look at the last, I think they do, I think Yahoo shows three months of average daily, vo or average daily volume over the last three months. I want to see that north of, a, north of half a mil. It's average over the last three months or so. Okay. And you, you might, and, and Roland, don't get, I mean, if it's a 50 day average or 50 day, that's fine. But something where at least it's an extended period of time in the past, as opposed, because you could get a stock that, you know, averages 100,000 shares a day. Today news comes out and today they're trading 10 million shares or trading a million shares. I don't want to touch it because normally, you know, on average, it's trading 100,000 shares a day, even though today it's got big volume. I want to see the average over the last ballpark three months. Yeah, exactly. So his question is what, you know, at the time I'm looking to enter the trade, there may only be 100,000 shares traded, but you might be in the first hour of the day, right? And on average, it's been trading 600,000 shares a day. Well, if it trades 100,000 in the first hour or two hour, whatever the math is, you look and go, well, if it averages, if, it, if that were consistent for the rest of the day, it's going to trade eight or 900,000 today. You're making this way too hard. It's what is the average over the last three months? If it's half a million or more, then I would, be I would at least look further at it. If it's not, I'm going to let it go. Is that... It's a t-shirt, man. Keep it simple. Someone else had a question up near there. Yeah. Do I wait for a double top? If I wait for a double top, I may never get in because it doesn't, I mean, I don't know if it's going to do a double top or not. So his question is, when do you get in? What it says up there is, watch the price movement. Look to see when a top or ceiling appears to have formed. And then you'll start to see reversal patterns on the candles. That kind of says, hey, maybe we're going. And now I'm looking for the indicators to cross to get in. I may have to drop down a time frame or two to do that, but that's okay. Cause remember, I'm not in this trade for months. I'm in this trade for, you know, minutes and a couple hours, something like that. Make sense? Okay. This question is, what is a double top? Irrelevant. If it was important, I'd have taught it to you. He's been trading before. Question is, what do I look at to get in? I look at all, whatever time frame I'm seeing the, so if it's on a 21, it could be, I, I, it's all going to depend on the, what it's doing, but you might see it setting up, might show up on a 34, might show up on a 21. And what am I looking for? I'm looking for a 3X, right? I want price, stoke, and MACD to have hit the, or I want the price to hit the band, spread the band, come off the band. All the indicators line up, give me that 3X, bang. Question is what charts am I to look at at the indicators on? You're looking at at cat. You're looking at all the charts. So you're gonna find, you go, well, that seems like a lot of work. It becomes second nature. Cause really what you'll see is you'll see reasons on the daily or on the 233 or the 55 Let's say this thing is going to roll right back down. Let me find an entry on a smaller time frame. And so I might see an entry like on a 21 as an example. And if I'm in, let's say I get in on a 21. When I'm in a trade and I see you know, a MACD crosses, by the time it crosses again, how long does that usually last? Or might it last? How many candles? How many? As many as in the teens. In the teens, right? So if, let's say we're 15 just for numbers. If it's a 21-minute chart and it takes... 15 for it to cross going the other way. That says it takes three candles to make an hour. If that says it's going to take maybe five hours max in the trade, but I'm not holding it past the end of the day. I already know that. And if I'm getting in maybe 7.30 in the morning, right? 5.30 puts me beyond the market close or right at 12, right at the market close. So I'll probably not even be in there. I'll probably be in before I go to lunch. I could just stay home for maybe half a day, make some money and then go into work in the afternoon. Right? I mean, that's, or you might be in the trade for an hour or two, right? Six, eight candles, something like that. Okay. You, you practice, you go, oh, this isn't that bad. Ron, you had a question? Ron? No? Okay. All right. Any others on this? Just remember, just to reiterate, is this a short chart trade or a long chart or a big chart trade? Little. 
which means how long are we going to be in it? Little, little period of time. Do I expect to make $40 on a move on this thing per share? No way. Not going to make it. It's going to be a very small move. It's a brick. In terms of diet, is this a turkey feast? Hell no. Is this, this is a cookie. That's it. Not even a salad. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. His question is, this is during amateur hour where you told me not to go in there because some brutal things happen. Yes, it is. Which means, oh, so this could be brutal? Yes, it can. Which is why I said, don't leave your monitor. Don't go to the gym. You need to go to the bathroom quick, that's fine. Pour Cheerios at your desk. <laughs> Pour the milk at your desk. They will not get soggy by the time the trade is done. Let me run through this section, then we'll take a break for lunch. Okay, this is how to place orders. So page 212. Now question is, how come I put this at the back of the manual? Why didn't I do this on day one? The answer is because you don't start paper trading till tomorrow. You didn't need it till now. And you really don't even need it tomorrow. Okay? You're going to paper trade for a year. How to place an order at this point is a waste of your time. It doesn't matter. Now understand too, when I say paper trade, that does not equal a virtual account. Get a sheet of paper, say I'm buying IBM on this day at this price. Write it down. That's called paper trading. So I don't call it virtual trading. So well, yeah, but I, you know, I want to be automated and I want everything to be online and in the cloud. That's great. Paper trade. I don't give a shit what you want to do. Do it on paper. The reason why is the virtual trading system at brokerage accounts, at brokerage houses, are not always accurate. You don't want to fall into that trap. So you just write it down and don't worry about it. If you have to do it online, cool. Take a picture of it and email it to yourself. Now it's online. But you got to do it on paper, okay? That way you don't say, I don't want to have any paper around. Good. Solve that problem. Do it on paper. There's a reason why. As you go through these, I'm going to show you a bunch of different order types, just the basics. There are dozens of others that are available at various different brokers. Don't worry about it. If you need them later on, you can use them. I know how to use the sexy order. I think they call them advanced order techniques. I bet I use it maybe once a year, maybe once every two years. You don't need it for what I do. What you want to think of is this. When you start off, you're going to do what is a relatively small order. I don't mean any disrespect by that. You're going to trade one contract or 100 shares, something that is small. may seem like a lot of money to you. You want that to get to the point where that seems like not a lot of money to you. What you want to think of is this. You want to be able to make the, have the trading strategy be the same, whether you're trading one share or 100 shares or 1,000 shares or 10,000 shares or 30,000 shares. So that way you don't have to relearn how to do that. Makes it very, very simple. Okay? It's the exact same discipline. That applies whether it's stock or options. When you're placing an order to buy, you're going to buy one of two things, either options or stock. If you're buying options, you're going to do what's known as a BTO, a buy to open. You're buying to open an options position, BTO. So when you hit the drop down menu, one of the choices for options will say buy to open. For stock, you're just going to buy. We talked earlier, be very, very, very wary, very careful if you buy in about the first ballpark 45 minutes of the day. That's amateur hour. If you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get clobbered. Hey, wait, 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 but you just said those last two techniques. A lot of that activity can go on during amateur hour. That's true. Be very, very, very careful 
you can get clobbered doing this, which is why we're going to go on paper. I love to see you get clobbered on paper. I hope you absolutely get annihilated and scare the crap out of you on paper. And then you realize, oh, he's serious. You can lose a lot of money doing this. Yes, you can. Can you sell in the first hour? The other side of not buying in the first hour is selling in the first hour. That's an awesome place to do it. If I go back and were to check my records over the last probably two years, I would guess that probably 80 plus percent of my trades close in the first hour of the day. Huge number. Huge number. Why is that? Write this down. Well, that too. Yeah, I want to go back to bed. Write this down. This is huge. What I want you to do is this little, it's not even written down, but kind of a little test homework assignment for yourself. Pick 100 stocks over the past X number of days and don't pick them all. You know, don't say, I'm going to look at these 10 stocks on you know, July 23rd. Just pick 100 different stocks over 100 different days. Look at, the high, take, look at that stock on a five-minute chart and look at the time of day that it hit its high point and its low point. And look what time that is. Just jot it down. And do that on 100 of them. You're going to find that the stock will hit its high point and low point probably 90% of the time before 11 Eastern. Whoa. So you're saying, so that's 8 o'clock in the morning in LA. That says that the stock, the vast majority of the time, will hit its high and its low point in the first hour and a half of trading? Yep. Cool. So that says if I look to get out in the first hour and a half, there's a good shot. If I get anywhere out near the high or the low, depending which way I'm trading up or down, I get a really good shot at getting out near the high or low of the day. Yep. But don't believe me. Go look it up yourself. Just go find 100 of them and look how often that happens. You're going to find 85, 90% of the time, it'll hit its high and its low point, oftentimes, Abraham, in the first hour, in the amateur hour. Not uncommon. Not 100%, but you'll see it. Yes, ma'am. No. This, so the, are you saying the exit in the first hour or so? That's not day trading. That just says, I so I'm, I'm looking at my charts. I go, hey, it got up to my point on yesterday's close. I'm getting out in the morning. Correct. Correct. So the point is, so I'm watching the charts and I didn't get a chance to, I saw right at the end of yesterday, I go, yeah, you know what? That's probably about enough. I'm going to get out first thing tomorrow morning. I wake up in the morning and now I'm just trying to finesse an exit. And it is, I don't know whether to call it luck or skill because it is a little bit of luck. But if I know, if I'm comfortable that historically at a hot stock, unless I'm getting out of a stock position, I want it to go up. If it's generally going to hit its high point, usually within about the first hour or so of the day, if I get any out, out anywhere where I think it might be about the high of the day, that's kind of luck, isn't it? Because I really don't know where the high is until by the end of the day. There is an art, there's a little bit of an art to it, but I've had many times, like Chris and I, a lot of times we'll do the same trades without knowing it because we're looking at the same stuff. And I'll get a text from him and said, I, you know, I blew out of Exxon or whatever he was in. And I was like, oh, I, I, you know, now it's just, you know, it's, what'd you get out at? <laughs> right? <laughs> like what time, you know, did you go back to bed or what time did you get up and get out? And a lot of times what you find is I don't wake up, at, I don't look at it at 6.30. Give it about 15 minutes, about 6.45, I'll go look. And generally, by that point, it's done its little pop-up. And then it's just a question of luck. Did you get out at 6.50 or 6.55 or 7? And some, you know, then it's just a, you know, which one is going to buy lunch because he got the better price? But it's just pure luck, right, to know that. But on the other hand, there's a little bit of element of skill that says, I'm probably getting out near the high of the day. And you'll find it happens a lot. Not, and not right to the penny, but you're within a very attractive distance of the high on that. You just do a bunch of them and you'll see it. Like, this is kind of cool. So, that makes sense? Okay. What else? So, buying stock, buy, buying options, buy to open. Options are always, this next part's going to be a little confusing. Options are always available for this month, 
or the current options month, the next options month, and then one month for each quarter will be listed. If a month is not available, it will become available when it is next month. Like, what the heck are you talking about? You go look at an options chain. So let's see, we're at the 27th, so there are no more July options available. So current month now for options is August. Every single stock that trades options will have an August and a September. Every single one of them will. Now there will be some that will have an October. It'll be the first month of the quarter. Some of them will have a November. Some of them will have a December. Well, why is that? Well, the easy answer is, there's two answers. One is don't ask why. And the real answer is because, which is equally is a useless answer. The reason why is when a company trades options, they, when they first go public, if you will, with trading options, they have a choice to decide what cycle they're going to be on, whether it's a January, a February, or a March cycle. So they, if it's a January cycle, they will always have an option available for the first month of the quarter, January, April, July, October. If it's February, they'll have one available the second month of every quarter. If it's March, it's the third month. So depending what, comp what their option cycle is will tell you whether they have a, an option available at which month of the quarter. Okay, sounds confusing. You look at a chain, you'll see it. It's not that bad at all. Okay, when you're looking to sell, if you're selling an option, you do an STC, sell to close. So you're in a position, you bought an option sometime in the past. On a buy to open, you bought 10 contracts. Now you're looking to sell, you do a sell to close. When you do stock, you're just going to sell the stock. So we bought the stock a couple weeks ago at 100, it's now at 110, sell stock. Stock was at 100 a couple weeks ago, we looked to buy options, we'll do a BTO, so we'll buy to open, options position, following our options rules. Now when we go to close it, we're gonna issue a sell, sell to close. As we talked about earlier, when you're ready to sell, it works really well to sell within the first ballpark 45 minutes or so of the open, because you see the, the high and the low of the day oftentimes in that window. Okay, now, if you miss that 45-minute window, don't not sell. How's that for negative talking? Don't not sell. You're like, oh, I overslept. I missed the first 40. I'm going to wait till tomorrow. No, just sell. If it made sense to get out, get out. Say, yeah, but I'm not the high of the day. I don't care. Get out. Just follow the discipline. Next time, set your alarm. Get up. Right? It's one trade. Don't worry about it. Just close the position. When you're placing an order, there are three primary order types. Some of the brokerages offer many variants or variables around that. Those variants make it conducive to have multiple trades or multiple open order scenarios available. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Okay, the first one you're going to be aware of is something known as a market order. A market order says, get me in at the next available best price. So if the stock right now is trading by 100, by 100.05, say it differently, 99.95 by 100, and you want to buy. If you place a market order, you might get filled at 100 bucks. You might get filled at 100.01. You might get filled at 99.99. You might get filled at 100.1. You might get filled at 100 and a quarter. I have no idea. But your order will be next in line. The market maker will fill you. He may keep the price the same. He may choose to pad his pocket a little bit and raise the price on you. You have no idea, but you will get in quickly. If you're doing this on a very highly traded stock, not likely that you're going to get slammed. If you do it on a thinly traded stock, meaning there's not much volume, 
or if there is a very wide bid ask spread and you put in a market order, uh, you might get taken to the woodshed. You might pay 10, 15 cents more than the person just before you. It's gonna happen, okay? The way you get around that is instead of placing a market order, but the nice thing on a market order, you're gonna get in just like that. The way to not get taken to the woodshed is you do what's known as a limit order. A limit order says, give me this price or better, whether it's to buy or sell. That in the implication, you're not gonna overpay, nor will you be undersold to get in the position or to get out of the position. So you're saying, give me this price or better. But it also says you may not be able to get in or out of the trade if it doesn't, if the market is not at that price or better. So if the stock's trading at 100 and you say, I wanna buy, but I don't wanna pay more than 99.95. We say, all right, I wanna, you know, I wanna buy stock limit at 99.95 and the current price is 100. And now it's 100.10, 100.20, 100.50, 101, 102. And man, you were absolutely right in calling the direction of the stock, but you weren't willing to pay five cents. Yep, oh well. Best story I've heard on this. I've got a buddy that's a huge trader out of the East. Years ago, when you're trading options, they used to trade not in decimal, but at a 16th. So if you pay, you know, eight sixteenths would have been a half, 50 cents, seven sixteenths was 43.7 cents. It was basically six cents or six and a quarter cents for every 16th. He was looking to buy options on Cisco and he put his price one sixteenth under the current price. Felt he was disciplined, kept it there all day. Market maker never filled him. He had an order in for hundred contracts, missed the trade. Stock ran 20 bucks. The option would have made him a quarter million dollars because he wasn't willing to spend six cents a share. But man, he was proud of being disciplined. Okay? There is an art to this. The message behind that, if you can see through experience that this is set up and ready to go, get in the trade. Don't worry about being cheap and saving yourself a dime or a nickel. Get in. You might even have to pay a little more when your trade size gets bigger. Get in. Get in doesn't matter. Get in. When you go to get out, market price, let's say you bought the option at eight bucks and now it's trading at 10. You say, oh man, I'd really like to see it at 10 and a quarter, but it's trading at 10. Get out. You might have to get out at 9.75. Get out. The market maker knows you want to get out. He doesn't make it easy sometimes. So you might get out at 9.75. And you just, you, you attach a little sticky note that you put on your computer screen that calls the guy any kind of profane, you're going to come up with all kinds of wonderful profane words for the market maker. And you can attach those words. If you put a post-it note on your screen, when you press enter, they see it. I promise you, they'll see it. At least you hope they will. You just send them a rose with it. So when you're buying stock or options, I would suggest you use a limit order. Good for the day. Put the limit at the bid or the ask whether you're buying or selling, okay? Pay the man's price. If you're doing large orders and say, well, what's large? You'll know when you're large. When you don't get filled right away, you suddenly are now the big fish in the pond. On some stocks, it could be 20 contracts. On some stocks, it's 100, all depends. When you get to the point of being large, you will have to pay more than the going rate. So if the current price to get in an option, let's say is 9.75 by 10, you want to buy 100 contracts, you probably have to spend 10 and a quarter. So you'll end up having to put your order in at about 10, 20, 10 and a quarter, something like that to get filled. And well, that's not fair. It's working.
right? So other people might make three bucks, you make 250. It doesn't matter. Okay, just understand. The same thing goes when you go to exit the trade. If the price at the exit is 10 by 10 and a quarter, so you, you know, when you're looking to sell, you'd get 10 and you get 100 contracts, you might actually have to accept 980. Oh well, sucks to be you. Okay. Should you sell in increments? Question is, well, you know, let's say you had 100, 100 contracts just for numbers, could you do it in increments of 10? You could. The challenge is what you, you don't know if the price is going to jump around a lot and what you're giving up on that 10 cent spread, now you're paying for in commission. And you just, you know, it, it's all, you'll find, you may try it that way and it may work, but the challenge is now you get to place 10. It sounds so silly. That's a lot of work to sit and press enter 10 times. And it sounds so minor. It really is a pain in the neck because then it starts jumping around like, well, now it's a 10 and a quarter. Now it's 10. Now it's 975. Like, I don't want to deal with all this. Just close it. And again, you know, when it's all said and done, Karen, as an example, let's say you do a trade and let's say you make two grand on the trade. It doesn't matter if you make 1900 or two grand. It really doesn't matter, right? It's, it's, you're, you're getting into the quibble points. It is not worth hassling about because you're going to spend more time focused on the $100. You may miss the next trade, okay? Do not worry about it. Let's see. So to buy, use a limit order good for the day. To sell, use a limit order good for the day. Same thing. If this, when you're selling, you got bid ask, you're going to sell at the bid. When you're buying, you have to buy at the ask. Easiest way to do this. Two more pieces, we'll go to lunch. Next one is a stop order. What is a stop order? Stop order says, when price hits this point, make the next order will be a market order. So I'm not going to get in until price is at this point, and then I want my order to be a market order. So if you do a, let's say the stock, let's just do it on stock, we'll make it easy. You bought the stock at 100, and it's running up, and you like to get out at about 110. Stock's now at 109.80. If you put in a market order, you're going to get out 109.80-ish, maybe a little bit above, a little bit below. If you put in a stop order at 110 and the stock's at 109.80, you're not getting out. Stock's at 109.99. Like, yes, when it hits 110, then I'm going to get out. Nope, you'll be the second one. So once it hits 110, now your stop order becomes a market order. You might get out at 110. You might get out at 110.01. You might get out at 109.99. It does become a marker once that stop number has been hit. So just understand it doesn't guarantee that you'll get that price. A limit order will guarantee you get that price. People use stop orders as a way to exit a trade that isn't working. People, you heard some people say, well, what do you do? Do you put in stops? I do not. I will not put in a stop overnight. I will put in a stop order during the day that says if it gets to this point, get me out. But I only do that if I can sit there and watch the screen. Usually what I'll do is I'll have the broker has alerts where they'll send something to your text or email that says price is at this point. My phone beeps. I go, oh, got to go take action. I go log on and I take action, whatever the price is. I'll do it that way. I much prefer to do that. Why do I do that? It's the D word. It's discipline. I want to be able to have the guts to press enter to say get out. If you need to let the market take you out because you don't want to admit to being, you don't want to get emotional and making money on, a, on the profit or taking it on the loss, you're not disciplined. You got to learn to be able to stomach that, whether it's pocketing the gain or accepting the loss. I personally want to be responsible for that. I got to press enter every single time. I would urge you to take that same philosophy. You got to teach yourself to be able to capture the gain, 
You've got to teach yourself to be able to accept the loss. And you press enter when it's there and you look at how big that loss is and you stomach it. It'll teach you something. I would not use stops as a crutch. I'd urge you not to do that as well. The last order, to me it's confusing. I don't like using them. They're known as a stop limit order. It's a combo between a limit order and a stop order. What it does is it combines a stop and a limit. What it says is it will get executed at this price or better, which sounds wonderful. Say, so, well, stock's at one, I bought it at 100, it's now running up to 109.80, I want to get out at 110. So let me put in a stop limit. So if it gets to 110, I'll get out at 110 because that's the limit piece. It doesn't work that way. It may go up, the stop gets triggered and when it hits 110, and now you have a limit or it says, get me out at 110. If it hits that and then immediately drops, and now it's 109.90, 109.80, 109.70, 109.50, 109.00, say, yeah, yeah, but I wanted to get out at 110. Sorry, doesn't happen. I don't like stop limit orders for that particular reason. Okay? It says in there at the bottom, never use a stop limit as a way to chase a profit. You would only use a stop if you're going to do that. And I only will use those during the day. Questions on this? It should be thoroughly confusing. Right? It's perfect. Then you're normal because you've never looked at orders before. Don't worry about that. As you go through these and you start paper trading, you'll start saying, well, how am I going to enter in a trade? These are the order types you're going to do. One key point to make on this, remember what I said early on, 5% of this is how to do. 95% of this is how to think. You got to understand how to think around placing orders. The how to do is easy. The how to think is crucial and very difficult. And then in that 95% how to think, 100% of the time, you have to have a disciplined approach. If you don't, you're going to get clobbered and you will wish you would have. You heard me say before, you got the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. If you will not take discipline, you're going to have regret. There's no two ways around it. It is that simple. The market's not designed for people to make money. It goes totally against the way the human mind and brain operates. You got to learn to recognize that and then act differently than the way that you're wired. Okay? It's difficult to learn. Once you do this, it's disgustingly easy to do, but it is a bitch to learn. Is that for a nice downer before lunch? <laughs> All right, I got 10 to 2. Any questions before we uh, break? You want to start up again at about 2.30? We'll take about 40 minutes. We'll start up at 2.30.